one time growing up as a teenager, I had a blue shirt, blue jeans, and blue shoes, and my mom said I looked like a Smurf. Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to-be-read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Corrine from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning, this podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Port Moody Library book chat. Our category today, we're going to land on a book with blue covers. Now, I think compared to some of the other categories, this is probably one of those that is less prescriptive in terms of what kind of content you are supposed to read. So hopefully, there's less grumbling from my fellow book lovers. So let's find out how everybody feel about this category and maybe the color blue. Liz, how are you doing today? Good, thanks. How are you doing? I am doing well. I'm doing well. I see that you have a blue shirt on. Yes, and a blue cardigan. Yep. How do you feel? Oh, both. Oh, double. How do you feel about the color blue? I love the color blue. And um, I remember one time growing up as a teenager, I had a blue shirt, blue jeans, and blue shoes. And my mom said I looked like a Smurf. Smurfs. Yes. That's nothing wrong with looking like a Smurf. No, not at all. Corinne, where does blue rank in your ranking for colors? Oh, well, as Virginia, you well know, I'm always blue, labadee, 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 labadee. Um, blue is okay. It's not a color that I'm often wearing because it's just a little too e e. Like when you could be having an aubergine, why settle for a blue? But I did crack out my blue cardigan very to show good, my support yep. in this category. Yeah, nice, nice. And Sadie, do you have any strong feelings about blue? I like blue. I like blue. Uh, it is the color of my eyes. And so when I wear blue, it makes my eyes bluer. So I do I do tend to wear uh, quite a bit of blue, I believe. I, I like the different shades that you can have of blue. You can kind of play around with the different kinds of blue. So I, I would say I am pro-blue. I'm even wearing my blue ring today. Wow, nice, nice. You guys no, all have... No. Many, many blue things. And what about you, Virginia? Um, I, so this is the story I told Liz about how I feel about blue. I bought this shirt by mistake. I thought I'd grab a black one because as you, have, you probably know, black is the color that I get. So I got a wrong one and I'm really, really irritated that I grabbed the wrong shirt, but not irritated enough to go return it. That's how I feel about blue. Neutral, I guess, maybe about blue. But there's one shade of blue that I don't like, navy blue. I really don't like navy blue. But blue is also the Pantone color of 2020, apparently. Classic blue is the Pantone color. So I think we pick a good one for this Spaceopoly board. Clearly, we did a good one. So just like Sadie said, many, many shades of blue. And I think we're going to hear many, many different shades of blue colored books today. So Sadie, what kind of blue covered book do you have for us today? So my book with a blue cover is The Alice Network by Kate Quinn. And this is a historical fiction novel, and it follows multiple stories over uh, kind of a timeline uh, between World War I and post-World War II. 
The story starts in post-World War II in 1947, and it follows American Charlie St. Clair. And Charlie comes from a respected family in New York, and she has been brought to Europe by her mother. While her family is very respected, Charlie is not doing very well. Uh, Charlie is unmarried, and she is pregnant. She won't tell her family who the father is, and so her mother has brought her to Europe to a clinic to help her, quote-unquote, deal with her little problem. However, Charlie has other ideas about what this trip is about. Charlie is, in fact, in search of her cousin, Rose. Now, Rose lived in France with her family, and she disappeared during World War II. They stopped hearing from her. They have no idea where she is, and Charlie is determined to find her. But the only clue that Charlie has is the name and address of a woman who she believes is connected to Rose in some way. She doesn't know how, but um, this woman, Eve, she believes that she's connected to Rose and will be able to help her find Rose. So when Charlie and her mother dock in England, Charlie sneaks away and goes in search of Eve. We now get to learn about Eve in the story. Now, Eve is not the most welcoming person when Charlie first knocks on her door. Uh, Eve is an alcoholic, and at the moment, she's very drunk and very angry. So she turns Charlie away, telling her that she can't help her. She doesn't know who her cousin is. She's never heard of the name Rose, and she she just she won't be able to help Charlie. That is until Charlie mentions the name of a man that she believes Rose worked for during the war, and the name of the man is Renee. Upon hearing this name, Eve kind of changes her story a little bit. She decides that she will actually help Charlie search for her cousin. But you can tell that she has other reasons uh, behind this. It's not just being nice uh, to this young American girl. But she keeps those reasons to herself. So through this journey, we start to learn more about Eve and more about her past and her connection to this man, Renee. The story now flashes back to the beginning of World War I, where Eve has been recruited to join a female spy network. And uh, she is sent to German-occupied France, and she joins this network called the Alice Network. She is placed into training by Lily, whose codename is Alice, who the network is named after, and she's the head of this network. Now, because Eve can speak German, she is put into a restaurant, which often entertains high-level German officers, and Eve's job is to listen to what they say, unbeknownst to them, and pass along any useful information uh, to her superiors. The restaurant is run by a man named Rene. So as Charlie and Eve and Eve's driver Finn travel through France, you learn more about Eve and Charlie's stories, more about their backgrounds. You learn that their stories might be a bit more interconnected than you thought. And you start to learn about a betrayal that happened many, many years ago uh, that caused the Alice Network to fall apart and that caused that uh, maybe the reason for Eve's search for revenge and Eve's search for this man, Renee. This is a great story. It has wonderful, often flawed characters, uh, which I both loved and hated at different points. It is filled with suspense, um, just the images and experiencing the moments where Eve, as a spy working in uh, German-occupied France, those those moments are so suspenseful and and you can't stop reading them. You can't, um, yeah, you just can't put it down. And it actually, this book ends in a way that I really did not expect it to, which I always appreciate. 
uh, in a book when I'm not able to figure out exactly what what has happened and what is going on and what's going to happen. Um, I really appreciate that in an author when they're able to do that. Uh, so again, that is The Alice Network by Kate Quinn. Thank you, Sadie. Sadie, may we ask you to hold up your cover again? Because I think when you first hold up your cover, we were all shaking our head. I wonder why. It is blue. The background is blue. If you look at it on your own screen, there's blue. Definitely blue. Yeah. Well, let's let's blame the screen then. <laughs> Definitely the screen. Definitely the screen. We held it up and we were all like, wait, what? But that's okay. That's okay. It's not like a dark blue. But there, there was no blue. specific shade of blue that it had to be. Yes, a exactly. Hint. A hint. It's all good. I thought all there right, was going to be less argument uh, with the choices. Right? That's what I thought. But we can always find something to argue about. <laughs> always. Always. Um, so Liz, has a, I see that your title is super interesting. And let's see if Liz's book is a little more blue than the last one. Well, uh, sorry, Zadie, I think this is undeniably a blue covered book. So the title of this one is Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead, and it's by Olga Torkachuk. Now, she is a Polish writer, and this book was originally written in Polish um, a little over 10 years ago. Now, since then, it has won the Man Booker International Prize, as well as the 2018 Nobel Prize for Literature. So high praise internationally coming for this from this book. Um, I found this this one a bit intriguing, which is why I decided to pick it up. I don't usually read mysteries, which uh, this is definitely a mystery. Um, but the premise of this book intrigued me enough to decide to give it a go. Now, the protagonist of this story is Janina. And she lives in a small Polish town uh, that borders a forest. And she is well known in her community. She is an aging woman who is also a primary school teacher and also takes care of her neighbors' homes uh, in her little hillside community. Uh, a lot of her neighbors are snowbirds who flee the harsh Polish winters. So she's um, definitely well known to everybody. Uh, and knows her community very well. Now, in her spare time, she enjoys translating the poetry of William Blake into Polish. Um, she studies astrology. She likes to get people's birth dates and do their um, charts. And she also happens to prefer animal companionship to human companionship. So you can tell that she's a little bit of a recluse. She's a little bit eccentric. Now, one day, one of Janina's neighbors, who she gives the nickname Bigfoot because he's kind of large, uh, oafish, um, kind of like the, the Bigfoot of myth, uh, doesn't say much. Uh, she, gives her, she gives nicknames to everybody. That's how quirky she is. Now, one day, her neighbor Bigfoot is found dead in his home. And in a community such as this, any, any type of... Um, um, murder or perhaps murder or um, kind of unexpected death, that's big news. So Janina heads over to the house um, 
to see what is going on. She wants to know what is going on in her community. And she finds the circumstances around Bigfoot's death very odd and very puzzling. So being the curious uh, and I don't want to say busybody-ish person, but being the curious person that she is, um, she decides to take a closer look at what is going on uh, and see if she can maybe gain some insight into Bigfoot's death. However, the body count does not stop there. Soon other people within the community start turning up dead. Also, unexpectedly, also under mysterious circumstances. Mysterious in terms of where they are found, perhaps what the staging around the body is like. And there seems to be a bit of a natural element that comes into these deaths. I don't want to spoil where we're going from here. However, do be assured that Janina does stick her nose into all of these deaths and murders and tries to piece them together and see what the possible connection may be. Now, this one is quirky, just like its protagonist. This book is eccentric, just like its protagonist. It took me a little while to get into it, but once we did start having the body count mount and Janina's eccentricities grow larger and larger, um, I felt that the payoff for this one was fantastic. So I do highly recommend Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead if you're looking for a book with a blue cover or a mystery, or perhaps something that has maybe some mystical elements in it. Thank you, Liz. That sounds pretty good. Mm -hmm. That sounds pretty good. Yep. Like a nice quirky mystery. Yeah. If yeah. you like quirky, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That'll be for you. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Miss Corrine. Miss Corrine has a blue book, I think. Right. Oh, she does. Like if this was a competition to see who had the bluest book, I definitely won. Um, so the book that I chose, like look at the blue, blue, blue. Um, the book that I chose is A Necessary Evil by Abergir Mukherjee. It is part of a series. And I will say that this is actually the second book in the series and not the first one, but it is equally as good as the award-winning debut, which was A Rising Man, which unfortunately is pretty bright yellow. So I've gone with this one. Um, like Sadie, I essentially went to my shelves and kind of saw what books were blue that I thought everyone should read. And uh, this is one that I very much recommend for mystery readers, for genre readers, for actually historical fiction readers um, because it takes place in a very interesting setting at a very interesting time. So it is 1920 and Captain Sam Wyndham, who is a World War I veteran and a detective for Scotland Yard is, let me put some heavy quotation marks on this, promoted uh, to go over to India to help with their newly formed Calcutta Police Department. Sam is a veteran from World War I. He's disillusioned. Um, he has an unfortunate opium addiction. And he's very much in the, in the archetype of like the disillusioned gruff detective who's kind of seen it all. And of course, he is paired with one of the only Indians working in this police department. Many of them don't want to. It's 1920s. And he is paired with Sergeant Surrender Not Banerjee, who is upright, unfailingly optimistic, and cheerful. And they are paired together, this kind of grizzled old detective and, and the new, new kind of uh, 
upbeat sergeant to kind of help him out and together they solve crime but the book is not just that because the author is doing something really interesting he is using the characters to dif to kind of represent different parts of the british raj so uh, captain windham is part of the British imperialism force that is occupying India at this time. And Sergeant Banerjee, while perfectly willing to learn from the British, is waiting for his chance when they fall and or leave for him to eventually take over as the new police force. This particular uh, book in the series takes place when the British Raj is gathering all these glittering princes from the different kingdoms for a photo op. So as part to show how, how benevolent the British Empire is, they've invited all these princes, given them kind of fake titles to make them feel important, get their photo op and send them back. But it is very much implied who is really in charge of these kingdoms. They, uh, our two duos have been specially requested by Prince Abhir from the kingdom of Sabalpur, which is famous for its diamond mines, for its fabulous wealth and its remoteness. Um, Prince Ad Adhir went to school with uh, Sergeant Banerjee at Harrow in England, and so he especially requested him there. Uh, this prince is very popular with the religious factions in his particular home kingdom. Um, he's generally well-liked. Uh, the British Raj are a little bit suspicious of him because he might be a little bit of a revolutionary. And all of these things come to a head when Prince Adhir is murdered under the British Raj's watch. So our dynamic duo is sent into the kingdom of Sabalpur to investigate who might have done this assassination and for what reasons. And what you get is family politics, uh, global politics, imperialism, religion, family ties, betrayal. It just has a little bit of everything. It is a delicious, like, sense of history you really really get to know the characters really well and you also get a very very strong sense of place and setting which i really really love so i would definitely start with the first one of the series but uh, necessary evil is an excellent follow-up to this series so corinne do you have to read the first one would you say read the first one before yeah you do the i definitely second? Okay. would but this okay. one is blue so yes yes but do recommend reading the first one first read the whole series right it's great it's great all right. I have got Fina by Nino Cipri about six years ago, I want to say. There's a book called Horror Store by Grady Hendrix that was published. And when I first heard about a book, I'm like, I need to read this like right now because it is set in an Ikea-like store, like a big Swedish furniture store. And I love Ikea so, so, so much. As a kid, I have very fond memories of walking around Ikea in Hong Kong when everything in Hong Kong is like tiny, but the IKEA is seems so, so, so big and it was just amazing. So I have very, very like found memories of IKEA. And so when I read that, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a book set in IKEA. Super, super excited. But of course, once I finished that, I'm like, oh no, there's never gonna be another book set in IKEA ever again. But I was wrong, there is. And it is Fina, the book by Nino Cipri. It is a 
novella, so it's a pretty short, 144 pages book, is about Ava who work at this IKEA-like store. And she is dreading going to work, not just because it's one of those like dead-end, low-wage kind of pay job, but also because she just broke up with Jules. And Jules also worked there. And so she is dreading going in and bumping into Jules. And she just does not want to see them. Just going to be really awkward. And she just lost her feelings, struggling, you know, just dealing with all of that. So she got to work and then she was at the customer service counter when a woman walked up to her and said, I'm sorry, but I lost my grandmother. I don't know where she went. She seems to be missing. I look around and I can't find her. And so all the staff started going around trying to find this woman. And of course, who did Ava bump into? Jules. And so now together, they have to go find this woman. And as they were wandering around near the bachelor suite, they saw that there was this hallway. They swear that this doesn't exist. And in the middle, there's this like purplish line, this wriggly line. And in front of the line, they found this pair of purple gloves that they think belong to the old woman. So they went back to the supervisor and say, we found this thing that does this place at this hallway that doesn't seem to belong there. And so the supervisor was like, all right, everybody gather in the staff room. And then she pulled this ancient videotape and it is a corporate video that she's going to show them and it's called Wormholes and you. And it turns out that wormholes love Swedish furniture store because they are confusing. They are like a maze. So wormholes loves showing up in these kind of places. It used to be that there is a specific team, actually, because wormholes appear so frequently, that they have a specific team that actually address this. And they are trained to deal with these wormholes and anybody who accidentally have gone inside. But with budget cuts and all that stuff, there's no more like special team to deal with this. So the supervisor was like, well, we need two volunteers. Who volunteer to go into the wormhole to find this person? Because what they've got is a what they call a fina. It's basically this like crude looking box. And what you're supposed to do is put in something that belonged to the missing person. And then the machine does its thing. And then you basically hold it like a metal detector and you go around and if you get close to the person, then it's going to start beeping at you and the light is going to light up kind of thing. So, so they're like, okay, who wants to volunteer for this? And of course, who put up their hands? Jules, because Jules love an adventure. All right, fine. We have one volunteer, anyone else? And of course, no one else wants to risk their life into a wormhole. So they said, okay, well, then I guess it falls to the person with the lowest seniority. And guess who that is? Ava. So now we've got Ava, who's going to have to go in with Jules, and together they're going to take this box and go look for the missing grandmother. Corinne and I recently had a conversation about novella. We kind of feel like sometimes it's really hard for novellas to, to develop the story to, to our satisfaction, and sometimes it's like you just want more of it, or it's just the story just doesn't quite get there. It's really hard to, in you know, a couple, like a hundred page, like fit in all the stuff that you want to tell about a story and, and make it a good story. But I would say this one is a jam. It, it just, it says everything you got is like the perfect little story. And it is fun 
is about a multiverse. I'm not going to tell you what they found in the wormhole, but it is just so much fun what they see in there and so creative. But I think also what makes this a really, really good story is also it's, it's about like it really is about relationship about these two people um it's a queer couple and they are trying to figure out like life after they broke up basically like how do you turn from a romantic relationship not that they wanted to get back together because they don't but just how to transition that into a friendship so this messy relationship bit but a very kind of a healthy relationship and just trying to figure out how to deal with all those feelings that they still may have for each other but knowing that this is not quite going to work and they just want to be friends and dealing with all that and now of course like they're stuck in a wormhole together like how is that going to affect all that um, you also get a little bit of the relationship between the grandmother and also the grand daughter which factor in a little bit later in the story so it's, it's really i think in the center of it is is a is a relationship story it's also of course about you know capitalism consumerism and you know like low wage minimum wage kind of jobs and and what that does and 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 you're kind of looking at well what is better is it stuck in this world where you have this like retail job or is it better to go into a wormhole I'll let you decide. Again, this book is called Fina and it's by Nino Cipri. And if you're looking for a book that is by an LGBTQ author, Nino Cipri, uh, they are a uh, trans non-binary author. So it's a very short book, but a really, really good one. So hope you enjoyed it. That sounds great. It is so much fun, but also very touching in a sense. All right. So that is our blue cover books. Before we go, we like to end with an existential crisis question as we normally does. So I'm curious to find out from everybody, do you, since we're talking about blue cover books earlier, do you judge a book by, by the cover? Yeah, I gotta admit, um, I do. <laughs> um, if it's specifically a book that I haven't heard anything about um, and I'm, browsing on the library catalog and seeing what new items have just come in or uh, what items we've recently um, placed an order on. Um, I do admit that scanning the covers um, can sometimes draw me towards a book um, or at least get me to read the blurb about it and see if I'm interested in the premise. Yeah, I think similar to Liz, I, I definitely will use the covers kind of as a way into a book um, if I am not sure about a book or if I don't know much about it if the cover attracts me then for me to at least pick it up and and read the blurb I have been pleasantly surprised um, with some books where I had initially not wanted to read it because the way the cover looked but I read the description anyways and it sounded like something I'd be interested in and I was happily happily surprised about it so I think that I do but I am open to judging a book strictly by the cover yeah, I think similar to everyone. Like, if I don't know about the book, like, and you're just glancing a whole list, definitely I will stop and look at the ones that look that has a good cover, that's a you know, and or interesting cover. But yeah, if I know the book, and even if it has a really bad cover, I will still try to read it. If I if I know or if I heard about it, and and it's something that I would really like to read, but it's it's hard, and you kind of feel like you should have no excuse these days <laughs> to not have a good cover. Like, come on. 
come on. Um, but yeah, so we'd love to hear from our listeners here and um, whether you judge a book by a cover. Um, we would love to find out how you decide what books you read and also give you have any suggestions for a blue cover book. Um, please do leave us a comment so that we can recommend books to everybody um, and we'd love to hear from you so with that i think that's it for our book chat today um, next week we will see each other again we'll have fiona back with us but until then enjoy your afternoon enjoy your week and we'll see you again next week bye 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 thank you for listening if you like our show please tell a fellow book lover about it you can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional. Mm -hmm.